Hello and welcome to today's episode of Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. Today I'm joined by nutritional therapist and hormone expert, Lorna Driver-Davies, who is going to be talking to us about perimenopause. She'll be explaining what's happening in a woman's body when she approaches menopause, the symptoms that might occur and when to expect these changes. Lorna will also be offering her advice on how to manage perimenopause naturally through diet, nutrition and lifestyle. Lorna has worked for a decade as a registered naturopathic nutritional therapist, integrating both functional medicine practice with her knowledge of botanicals as a herbal medicine dispenser. Her clinical focus and expertise in women's hormone and gynecological nutrition at all life stages with particular expertise in endometriosis, PCOS and perimenopause. Lorna regularly lectures and speaks on female health and her work on hormone balance and thyroid health has been featured in an evidence-based clinical textbook. Lorna is also the head of nutrition at Wild Nutrition, a supplement company dedicated to providing ethical and natural non-synthetic supplements with a special focus on women's health. Lorna is passionate about perimenopause as a life stage as it's very misunderstood and confused with menopause. When understood, perimenopause can be supported effectively through nutrition and naturopathy. Hi Lorna, welcome. Thanks for joining me today to share your knowledge and expertise. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much for asking me. I'm very excited about our conversation we're going to have. It, it's a, a very favourite topic of mine. Me too. Today we're talking all about perimenopause, which is a time when a woman's body makes a natural transition to menopause, marking the end of her reproductive years. And we've had a lot of listeners asking us to cover this topic. So you're going to be answering a lot of questions for people today. Great. Yes. I'm very excited about it. Thank you. It's a real favorite topic of mine because it's really confused with full menopause. So it's really important that we can kind of clarify what perimenopause is. Absolutely. And break it down for people. So before we get into it, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience as a practitioner? Yeah. So my background, well, my background goes goes back quite far. My mum is a, a naturopath and a herbalist. So I grew up with that kind of thinking around lifestyle and diet, well, actually in the womb sort of thing. So (laughs) I I kind of got raised like that. And actually I'm 37. So I always sort of say that this was a very uh, uncool kind of mum to have in the kind of 80s. (laughs) And so I, you know, I was having like rice cakes and avocado and porridge and things. And when everyone else at school was kind of having lots of junk food or very kind of classic English meals. So, you know, we had like fermented food in the house and homemade yogurt and all that. And actually when I kind of got into my sort of early 20s, suddenly all that was cool and grease smoothies and things. So, so I'm one of those ones where I didn't come to nutrition or naturopathy like later on because I was ill or something like that. It really kind of runs through me. Mm -hmm. And if you go further back than that, actually, I come from a family of doctors and, and apothecaries and So that kind of concept of like nutritional alchemy and the natural kind of thing to want to support people and heal people is kind of very old ancestral kind of vibe. So so I really do mean it when I say it that I am genuinely always very passionate about supporting people through natural health, through integrated medicine, you know, that side of things. And so 
Uh, I've been practicing for about, well, just, just over a decade now. And mm-hmm. uh, my focus has, has always been women's health. And then the kind of minutia of that is looking at endometriosis and PCOS um, and perimenopause. So I've been, you know, very lucky to, to kind of have amazing clients over the years to kind of bring together this kind of experience and just really passionate about helping women feel really educated about what's happening to their body and not feeling I guess, kind of disassociated, like what's going on? I don't know how to fix this. I don't feel good. You know, basically, you know, quality of life through understanding women's bodies, really. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think all your experience today is going to help a lot of women that are listening because I know it can be a very confusing time. I mean, hormones are very complicated, aren't they? And I think you know, even through women's cycles and periods and PC, uh, P- PMS and, you know, especially as you say, like menopause and perimenopause, it's a very confusing time for women because they've got all these changes and it's different yeah. for every woman, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And actually, just before I kind of launch into that, if you think of history, so we're living longer anyway. So yep. we have effectively more years of this type of phase kind of going on. And, and we're having babies later and some of us are not having babies. And like this also then also affects those perimenopausal years, which by the way, can go on for some time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I feel like more than ever, it's something that we really kind of need to understand. And just, and I'll come to that later, but modern living has a really yes. direct, has a really direct effect on the symptoms that we experience at this time, the, 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 our experience of it. And I don't just mean like physical symptoms, I mean sort of mental symptoms and also our relationship with our environment around it. And I'll kind of come to that. So it's definitely a really good kind of modern time to do a podcast on this topic, really. <laughs> Absolutely. And yes, you've hit the nail on the head there. It is we're living more sedentary lifestyles than we ever did. There's a lot more stress in people's lives. And especially yes. now with what we're experiencing in the world, it is, oh, you know, gosh. there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. And that really plays havocs with our bodies and especially with hormones. And I imagine that a lot of women are kind of seeing their hormones or periods or, you know, everything they're going, their bodies sort of changes. And that can be a bit, a bit disconcerting for many women, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. So shall I Shall I kind of start with talking about what perimenopause kind of is and, and clarify that for the listeners? Absolutely, yes. If you can, yeah, explain what perimenopause is and if you can explain what's happening in a woman's body when she approaches that time, sure. for, you know, before menopause and what are the hormones involved and how do these hormone changes affect her body? Yeah, sure. So one thing to kind of clarify, first of all, is understanding when this phase can begin. So one point to make that I'm not going to go on for too much on because it's a separate topic, but if you are experiencing hormonal shifts or changes and you're under 40, it can, if, if there's quite severe issues going on, that's usually seen as being something called premature ovarian failure. So if you're under 40 and you're experiencing quite a big change in how you're feeling and you feel like it's connected to hormones, then this is really important that you do actually speak to your doctor. And then mm-hmm. also start working with a nutritionist or naturopath. But that isn't necessarily seen as being a, a kind of natural transition of perimenopause. So it's careful that you kind of understand that difference, first of all, that point to make. So kind of true perimenopause is really like, you know, you're looking at being over 40. Now, mm-hmm. it's it's still more unusual for women who are early 40s to start to go into this kind of transition time. So more classically, we would be looking at a woman who's maybe probably over 43, 44, 45, 
you know, but actually for some women that can start earlier. And actually we're looking at maybe possibly a 10 year period where actually you're looking at that kind of perimenopause time there. So to, to, so to, you know, to, uh, you know, define the two, the two kind of, uh, you know, stages, full menopause is when you haven't had a period for 12 months or more. And mm-hmm. so perimenopause is everything leading up to that. And that can look very, very, very different for different, you know, different women. But I wanted to make that kind of clarity that, you know, if you're like 38 and you're experiencing quite a lot of changes going on, don't start to suddenly think, oh, it's just perimenopause. I'll just sort of leave it and just kind of not really do anything about it. Please go and, you know, get that kind of looks into. And, you know, for some women, perimenopause can come like much later on, like they can still be it feels like life as it as it always was and they're like you know 48 or 49 whereas for other ladies this can kind of start you know earlier on so what's effectively happening if we think about the kind of basics of biology and how women's bodies work and i i'm i'm thinking on this more on 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 the kind of old fashioned concept of what our bodies are designed to do which is reproduction mm-hmm. so what's happening is that your body effectively is is kind of closing the gates on 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 being fertile and when it's closing yep. the gates on being fertile, it's working its way to the point. The end point is you're not going to be having the same levels of hormones that would support a menstrual cycle and you're not going to be menstruating. So that's kind of the end goal. But to kind of mm-hmm. get to that point, it can look, you know, really interesting and different for different women. So kind of on one side of it, you can start to see a lowering of some of the cla- you know classic sex hormones so you've got things like estrogen progesterone and actually testosterone is really important to mention in here because testosterone plays a really big role in female health and actually is getting more and more press around it it's a really important hormone and and you know we need it and so yeah. you've got this kind of you know lowering but actually and this is my big thing on why you need to understand the difference between peri and full menopause is that for some women what as they transition to, you know towards that point, it's like the body gets a bit kind of panicked. So it goes, mm-hmm. oh no, oh I'm going to run out of being fertile because there's this middle point where it's almost like it can't let it go. So it's a bit like, oh gosh, I'm going to run out of being fertile, but I need to be fertile. And so what you can actually also see happening is you can get elevations in hormones. And so there's always this theory or, or, or always this kind of mis- misconception that uh, because in menopause, you would have lower levels of hormones. The idea that in perimenopause, your hormones are low. And quite often, for example, you can see situations where women have very elevated estrogen because mm-hmm. what can happen is you have a kind of feedback mechanism. And so if the body feels like it's kind of running out of a certain hormone, it will have uh, corresponding hormones like FSH, for example, that is a good analogy is like, it's basically kind of uh, putting your foot on the gas pedal kind of even more to make the car go faster. So actually when you look at blood tests, they can be quite dysregulated, but all the body's trying to do is, is go, Oh my gosh, you know, running out of this capacity, I better just keep pressing the buzzer or or keep putting the, the foot on the gas pedal. So you can actually get these symptoms, um, which are completely different from if you're in full menopause, which are some of those are connected to elevated levels of hormones. So specifically, for example, estrogen. And I'll talk about that in a second. So effectively, you've got these two things going on. You've got one, one situation for some women where the hormones are definitely like dropping and kind of lowering down. And for others, that's not happening just yet, but they're getting a dysregulation going on where also some things are kind of getting, getting kind of elevated. So you've got these two sides of it. And that's also why 
when you see on the media and magazines and all sorts of things, you know, if you're, if you're going in through perimenopause, you shouldn't really be reading about menopause advice because actually like it's like, <laughs> different, like time. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and I'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, the symptoms that you would, that you'd look for. So if we're thinking about women where actually hormones are kind of dropping, they might be starting to get some symptoms that, yeah, you would associate more with full menopause. But this is actually where um, it's really important to go and get tests done. So I would recommend that anyone goes and sees their doctor and get some blood tests done and then also work with a nutritional therapist or naturopath and get some functional medicine tests done. Because what you do want is to work out where are you in anything I've just said? So is it that your estrogen is lower? Is it that estrogen is higher? Is it that there's other things that are dysregulated? And in functional medicine, we know that there are other tests that also show us stuff. So things like looking at the stress hormones, like cortisol and what's that doing? And, you know, I come to that. So that's point number one. Like basically mm -hmm. don't like put up with this idea that you're feeling like not yourself and that you think, oh, I'll just kind of get through it. It's like actually figure out what's going on because then that gives you the tools to know how you're going to deal with it. And actually it gives your practitioner as well an idea about, you know, what to do in terms of how to deal with that. But you might start to notice that you can actually get obviously hot flushes at this time. You might start to notice that you have almost like worse PMS symptoms. So this can be things like you're suddenly quite moody, maybe all the month or maybe especially moody before your period. Maybe you feel, you know, very like sensitive or kind of more fragile. Um, women will often say that they feel much more like short tempered or they feel like their ability to deal with stuff just feels like when I talk to women, they're like, I feel really, really overwhelmed and everything feels more stressful. I feel more sensitive. And, and the funny one of this one, although it's not that funny, is that women going through perimenopause, if they've got kids, usually their kids are usually like teenage age. So the, the funny one for me is that some women will be like, I've got a daughter who's like 14 and she's really like PMSing and really hormonal. And I'm pretty, I mean, perimenopause <laughs> Both of us are a nightmare to live with. And my husband thinks that we're horrible. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, yes. perimenopause, it's a good example. Perimenopause can feel like you're a teenager again. So it can like, you're like, you know, you think, oh, well, I've done quite well over these years. I've got myself sorted. I'm a fully grown adult. Like all my hormones kind of all right. And suddenly it can start to feel like you're 15 again but you're this adult woman. That's what it yeah. can feel like that. You can maybe if, if hormones are dropping a bit, you can start to get kind of drier skin. You might have drier eyes. You might have dry vagina. You might start to feel that your energy is a bit poor because actually our sex hormones are really, really important for kind of giving us joie de vie. You might find that you've got a kind of mood issues going on. So it's a really classic time actually, by the way, where women will go to their GP and say, I actually feel quite depressed or low mood, or I'm really anxious, like anxiety is a big perimenopause symptom. But quite often, sadly, and this is no disrespect to GPs, but it's often how it's dealt with, they won't talk to them about hormones. So it's seen as being a separate thing. And actually, it's it's kind of almost like you're not going nuts. You're not going mad. You don't actually have full-blown depression. You're actually in perimenopause. Yes. And when you talk about, yeah, when you talk about the hormone symptoms alongside those symptoms, some women go, oh my gosh, wow. Okay. That makes sense. Everything is tying together. I'm clearly not depressed or going, going crazy. This is actually just part of this kind of hormone shift. 
you might start to find that your sex drive is is kind of a bit lower as well because also kind of also part of that is is quite primal it's almost like oh your sex drive is a bit lower because you're not going to be reproducing anymore so it's it's all kind of tied in with those things so it, because the immune system is also very 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 tied to female bodies and we are you know that relationship is really strong and that relationship is is there to do things like you know make sure that we can ovulate going through labor and having a baby is absolutely kind of part of the immune system you know so um can also find that inflammation can become a little bit more of an issue so for example i have women who'll say things like oh, i just feel really more achy or my ability to recover from exercise is a bit poorer um, because the immune system is kind of changing the immune system is being uh, affected by this derangement or change in kind of hormones going on. And some women will also say that they've become more susceptible to, to picking up like, you know, uh, coughs and colds and bugs and things, because also when you have lowered levels of hormones, that also affects the immune system, it doesn't make it as strong. So estrogen, for example, is really important for the immune system being strong. So you, you can see how we're like, we're actually so mm -hmm. reliant on these hormones to kind of sort lots of things out. Another thing about kind of the mood and mental health is women can say things like, I just feel like I don't have very good memory. Uh, I can't really mm -hmm. focus, you know, I get brain fog, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And actually also to say one thing that, that can happen is that if you've got a health issue that you already have anyway, or a condition that can often get worse. So let's say you've got sort of like, you know, it, gut issues going on. It can feel kind of like getting worse. So it's also a sign as if, if you're a female at that perimenopausal age and a condition that you've, you know, managing and it's been sort of all right so far is coming back to haunt you. It's also worth thinking what's going on with my hormones and my body that then is then affecting that as well. So this is, again, is, is, is a great, you know, a great kind of reason to go and work with someone to kind of talk about that. So, you know, don't just think, oh, yeah, my digestion is suddenly quite bad. I just need to work on my gut. Of course, that's true. You then think, okay, this is obviously maybe potentially being kicked off by kind of perimenopause symptoms. Does that sort of make sense, Michelle? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a key point that your hormones do play such a big role in the body that, yeah. you know, once they start changing or things go out of whack then it is going to affect all the different body systems in some way or another yeah so yeah absolutely yeah so thanks for running explaining that and running yeah. through some of the yeah, symptoms because yeah, yeah. it it's it's so different for every woman as you say and it's like the 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 symptoms are so vast as well. Everything from sort of brain fog to gut changes to, yeah. you know, aches and pains. And, um, and a lot of the time you're saying, you know, like you mentioned about people think that they're depressed or anxious and they go thinking it's just that when actually it's a subsymptom of their hormones changing yeah. and, you know, approaching perimenopause. Totally. I mean, you know, those hormones, so let's talk about estrogen and progesterone for a second, are really the, like also so helpful for helping us feel good. So actually, yes. if we if we just talk about PMS for a second, if women have got lower levels of progesterone before they menstruate, so normally in that phase, it should be at a good, decent level. You know, that's not helpful for helping us feel like better with menstruation. So, so you know, it, it, you know, we're absolutely kind of tied with that in terms of our mood. One one symptom also is that sleep can get really dysregulated. That can be that maybe that because you're experiencing symptoms at night time. So, for example, if you're getting kind of hot at night or even like cold chills, that can wake you up. But women can also just be saying, you know, I just get weird kind of strange sleep where it's just not as good, good quality uh, or not as deep. 
And then also if women are anxious because they're perimenopausal and they're worrying about stuff, that that, that can then obviously affect sleep. So you've kind of got all those, you know, things going on. Uh finish that question with just talking about the periods. So the periods can continue, obviously, just to kind of clarify that, mm-hmm. but they can start to look different. So uh, you tend to have a derangement there. So that means that either your cycles tend to be shorter or longer and they might be not consistent every single month. So you may be still menstruating pretty much every month, I say, quote unquote, but that could look kind of different each month. So maybe one right. one month, you know, your cycles kind of, I don't know, 20, 22 days. And the one after that is like, you know, 35 days, something like that. So it kind of moves mm-hmm. around a bit. And also a bit of a hint on, on the fact that the body is shifting and changing is that ovulation can be stopping. So obviously it's possible to have a period that's anovulatory, which means that you menstruate, but that, that wasn't a period where you ovulated because again, you're working towards this end goal of, of, of drawing a line on being fertile effectively. But, bec- but without ovulation, you don't have this fantastic supply of progesterone because most progesterone is produced, uh, during ovulation. So actually in full menopause, the progesterone that you're getting is, is, is teensy tiny. And that's coming from the adrenal glands, which is very often then in full menopause, you're thinking about how can I replace, uh, progesterone? And there, obviously there are lots of things you can do around that. So if you're having a period where you are not ovulating, then it can look quite different. So classically periods can be potentially a bit shorter, but they can be very heavy, often quite kind of dark blood potentially kind of a bit more painful. So some women will actually say, oh, you know what, for the last however long, my periods have actually been quite easygoing, particularly mm-hmm. maybe after having children. And then they'll say, oh, it's weird. You know what? I get cramps and period pain. So I feel like I did when I was like 22. So that can go yes. on. And again, you know, without all that progesterone, it obviously changes your mood and you cannot feel, you know, it's great. So you, so actually a symptom of perimenopause is menorrhagia, which is flooding. So really heavy periods that, that are like a kind of cascade, like waterfall, but not lasting that long. So women yeah. will typically say, my period only lasts three days. The first two days are like Niagara Falls, and then it's just like spotting. But then if you're someone where your hormones are quite low, the flip side of that is women will say, I get a period, but it's really scanty. So it's really light. Like, you know, and so again, it can look like both ways and you can flip, flip. <laughs> kind of backwards and forwards this yes. is why like this is why actually perimenopause deserves more attention because it's like it can go on for such a long time it needs so much almost like and just one thing to say on that also is that a bit like if you think about studying at school like then affects what you go on to do after the next thing like applying for university or getting a, a job doing something or whatever it's like the work and the support that you do in perimenopause and how you support the body at that time also sort of dictates what the menopause is going to look like slightly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you're, you're like, think of it like that. It's like you're, you're working, working for these like exams or projects or whatever, so that later on you get the job that you want or you get the, the place at a college or whatever. Like it's kind of like you're doing it all kind of in advance, you know? Absolutely. And we're going to, 
Well, you're going to be giving some tips, so great tips and advice in a little while about that, of how women can support yeah. their body through perimenopause. But just one point I wanted to raise um, that when you mentioned before that like the body, because it goes through this sort of confusing time or like, yes, I still need to be fertile and it sort of ramps up the hormones. Because you do hear these stories of women suddenly getting pregnant when they're like approaching 50 and they're like, oh, I, you know, I didn't expect to do that. But yeah. it's possibly that. And then so birth control during this time is also quite important because I think some women probably maybe lax on that yeah. but if you don't want to get pregnant I've heard of someone having twins when they were like nearly 50 oh. because they thought they were in perimenopause thought they were approaching that's, menopause <laughs> that's a shock isn't it <laughs> and they're like now I have twins and it's like okay. well so, yeah. Yeah. so I think birth control is important during this t- time isn't it yeah yeah but also I would say on that though is that and it's the same conversation I have with women when they're younger so it's you know certainly in the western world it's quite normal for women to have, let's say they went on the pill when they were like 20 and they do 10 years of that and they get to 30 or whatever and they're, you know, met, met somebody or get married or whatever. And they're like, great, I'm going to come off. And, you know, the same thing also happens to women later on. So you have your babies and you're like, okay, I'm done with my babies. I'm going to have a coil fitted or, you know, go on the pill or whatever. So I'm talking about things where you're using a hormone to effectively uh, give you contraception. So I'm not talking about things like copper coil. It's kind of like if you're experiencing changes or you really are getting, I would say, like over 45, I would say it's worth coming off those contraceptive medications because also you kind of need to see what's going on. So if you're still using those things, you're giving yourself a kind of false picture. It's difficult. It's a different thing, by the way, is if you weren't using anything and then you speak to your doctor and they then suggest we want to fit a marina coil because your periods are very heavy because we know you're in perimenopause and you're experiencing so much blood loss that it's actually making you unwell kind of thing. That's different because that's coming at it from that sort of point of view. But if you've mm-hmm. been, if you've been, you know, I, I meet women who are like 48, 49 and I say, oh, you've still got your marina uh, coil fitted. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And like, I would take it out because you should see what's going on as as it is yes um, and and you know use use condoms or or you know or whatever so so it, it is a good idea to like to get, have a bit of an idea what's going on rather than sort of you know and get more in tune with your body before you're fully at this stage of like zero periods if that kind of makes sense no absolutely yeah very good point um i just wanted to circle back lorna just on because mm. you said um if women are experiencing these hormone shifts and they're just under 40 that they should you know definitely go to the the gp and get it checked out or speak to a naturopath or nutritionist yeah so what kind of symptoms might those be because i know some of our listeners might be thinking oh i've got some hormone shifts yeah, going on those, what sort of things? those ones so if we're if we're looking at things like premature ovarian failure those symptoms look a lot more like you would be almost like, like very, very, like almost at the point of like menopause. They can start to feel like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, things like very tired, um, brain fog, very, very achy, like very stiff, like n- and no kind of desire to like move that much or exercise, anything like that. Sleep problems, lots of mood stuff, but like mm-hmm. everything is, everything is almost like you feel a bit like you're getting really old really quickly overnight. Right. Yeah. Um, and usually this is also picked up because if you've got that going on, but then you are thinking about uh, trying for a baby and you're not kind of like, it's not, it's not happening. That could be a, an aspect of it. Now, the thing to say about that also is that 
that can be kind of potentially be caught and, and sort of sorted through things like, you know, herbs or bioidentical hormones or whatever. And also remember that sometimes this is going on because something's triggered it off and potentially mm-hmm. it can be sorted out and the person goes back to a normal cycle and everything. So it's good not to then think, oh, that's it now, game over, you know. So that's why it's good to separate the two things out. Con- conversely, Absolutely. some women who have PMS and they just have PMS, they're not in perimenopause, will, you know, will say, oh, I think I'm a bit perimenopause and I'll go, hmm. Should we just have a look at that a little bit more closely? Because it could just be that you're just getting a bit PMSy. And and sometimes if they're like, you know, 39, 40, 41, it was actually that. And actually this year, because it's been such a challenging year for everybody, <laughs> you know, yes. everywhere, I've had lots yeah. of conversations with, with women who think they're kind of in, in early perimenopause. I'm like, no, no, I think you just got very stressed out and it, it, life's been really difficult. And I think you just need to, do, let's just do some hormone balancing and I think it will sort itself out. You're not going into perimenopause. So don't jump the gun is the message there really. No, absolutely. Now, if somebody does go to the GP, if they think they're in perimenopause, to know for sure, mm. you mentioned the test. Obviously, they would come to a naturopath or a nutritionist to yeah. do some functional testing. So if they're going to their GP, they're just asking, asking for like a hormone panel. What kind of tests would they be asking yeah, for? So the, the most classic thing that a GP would do is a day three hormone test. And so you're looking at, uh, at uh, FSH, LH and estrogen. Um, they'll often, or they should really include things like prolactin. You want to then look at kind of other hormone markers like sex hormone, uh, binding globulin. They will look at progesterone, but I tend to say it's probably better to do progesterone as a private test with your naturopath or nutritionist because sometimes some GP surgeries don't really understand it. So they call it a day 21 progesterone test. But if your cycle is not 28 days, the day 21 is the wrong day to do it. So it's kind of, you need yes. to work it out properly. So that can be quite complicated. So it's quite, you almost sometimes, uh, I, I, yeah, I tend to recommend people do that privately because me as a practitioner has to spend quite a long time talking to the woman about exactly when we're going to do that test. Otherwise you can just get a false reading. It's really important to get your thyroid checked because the thyroid is part of your endocrine system. So it's, a, you know, it's a key player in this. In, I mean, it's a key player all your life, but it's a major key player now. And also your thyroid can, can start to, to suffer during this stage, which is actually why thyroid issues and thyroid disease is really common in women in that kind of age group. But GPs in, in, in the UK, won't do full panels, which means that they're not checking uh, T3, which is your active thyroid hormone. And they tend to only look at thyroid antibodies if you're quite unwell or you're kind of pushing for it. So to be honest, I, again, you know, I would say this is where having a private test done uh, with a practitioner, it really makes sense. But why it's important is that dysregulations in the thyroid have a huge effect on those other sex hormones as well. And of course, on the rest of your body you know, in terms of like energy and metabolism yep. and all, all, you know, all sorts of things. So, and this is why, by the way, women who are kind of in sort of maybe later perimenopause, sometimes they'll start to notice that they've got very dry skin or they're losing the hair around the sides of their eyebrows or they've got hair loss or like weird things going like that. So just as a standard thing, you know, and then the other one I would say is to get 
things like full blood counts, so looking at the immune system, and then also having a look at things like hemoglobin, iron, ferritin. So one of the things that happens in menopause is you get women who are very low in iron, but this doesn't get picked mm-hmm. up. And because and women go around going, oh, I don't really need loads of iron because I'm now in menopause, so I have no period, so I'm not losing it through my menstrual blood. But iron deficiency in fer- and, and low ferritin and anemia can be really, really common in perimenopause because you can have very heavy periods. So if you spend years and years like that and it doesn't get sorted out, then you can be low in, in menopause, but then people don't think that they are, so they don't think to check. So yes. it's really, again, it's really important to do that. And just, just to say for anyone listening, it's very important if you're going to a GP to get iron checked to make sure that you get ferritin checked, which is stored iron, because the difference between that is a little bit like having, this is the analogy, is, is having money in your wallet, like cash, but then you obviously hopefully want savings in your bank for rainy days. So that's the mm-hmm. difference between your circulating iron and then your stored, you know, so, so, and, and again, I very commonly see low iron and low ferritin in women who are in perimenopause. And on that point, iron is very important as a uh, kind of enzyme catalyst in lots of pathways in the body. And one of the things it's also important for is detox. So detox is important like anyway, but when we're thinking about perimenopause, women who've got big fluctuations of estrogen going on, the body has to deal with that like as a waste product. But mm-hmm. actually, if you've got low iron, you haven't got the energy to detox. So, so you know, you can see how like, or if your thyroid is running slow, it won't get rid of estrogen very quickly. It's like someone, you know, having a very slow cleaner. They're going to be like cleaning, yes. your de- clean, cleaning the windows for a long time and they're not even clean after that. So <laughs> in terms of, I would say, like on the functional medicine side of it, I'm someone that looks at uh, using things like the Dutch test, which is a urine test, which uh, looks at female hormones and, and the metabolism of those hormones. Also looks at really important corresponding markers. So stress is a stress is, has such a huge impact on the menstrual cycle anyway, and also our experience of, you know, of menopause because you, because really, you know, our communication in terms of like, do this, do that, make hormones, don't make hormones, etc., is coming from the kind of supreme commander, which is up in the brain. Mm-hmm. And of course, what happens when, when we get stressed, stre- the stressy bit is a priority. So your, so your body's always going to choose like, Oh my God. I mean, obviously stress is different. So, you know, these days, obviously stress is like not getting to get into an appointment on time or not getting through work, but stress used to be like famine or something's going to eat me. So the body will prioritize that stuff over supporting female hormones and menstruation because reproduction is not seen as a thing that's going to secure your life if your life's at threat, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. So that communication is kind of like gets kind of, you know, a bit sort of shut down. So anyway, so with functional testing, I want to see what's going on with the stress hormones. And I would say that perimenopause is a really nutrient hungry time because there's a lot of change going on. So, you know, some women will say to me, oh, you know, I don't understand. You know, I, I eat really well and I exercise. And I take care of myself, but I've still got all these symptoms going on. And I say, oh my God, sweetheart, like don't give yourself a hard time because your body's going for a big shift actually needs more. And that's where then having things like vitamin and mineral levels checked and specific nutrients like vitamin D are absolutely critical, you know, omega-3. And I'll I'll come to these kind of later when when we talk about things you can do, but, you know, like omega-3 testing, for example, you know, otherwise, um, like for example, with, with omega-3, that's omega-3 is a, is a component of us making those sex hormones. So if you haven't got the raw materials, you can't make them. So Mm -hmm. actually, at, the, at that stage, we have much higher needs 
for certain nutrients. And by the way, like UK standards on things like NRV. So basically like that means what's the baseline of the nutrients that we need in order to kind of, you know, avoid death effectively. What's hilarious about that is that like some of the nutrient levels are kind of the same when you're like, you know, 20 as when you're 45. And we yes. have different needs. So it's funny, isn't it? Like, so, mm-hmm. so yeah. So again, to just round that point off, it's a nutrient hungry stage. So getting to the bottom of, of symptoms and part of that and supporting that is also by, I would say. So if anyone listening, this is a great time. If you're, if you're experiencing these symptoms to actually just spend some money on, on testing, because, it, you know, from my perspective, it's absolutely kind of worth it. Don't buy a new handbag. Spend some money on tests. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Because otherwise I think you're just stabbing around in the dark thinking totally. it could be this, it could be that, and you can't yeah. get yourself, um, you know, on the right path or, you know, supporting your body unless you know what you're dealing with. And I think, you know, all those totally. tests you mentioned are really critical. So thank you for explaining yeah. those. Yeah. Um, and yes, you can't underestimate stress. It affects the whole body on so many levels. So, and that's going to move me on to my next point is, so mm. before we talk about what a woman can do to support her body through perimenopause can we just uh, touch on what factors actually exacerbate perimenopause symptoms so you've talked about stress what other dietary and lifestyle factors should women be aware of yeah so so uh, so so obviously stress is like stress is a big one by the way also stress uh, creates a lot of inflammation mm-hmm. so if we've got this immune system that's already a little bit wobbled because there's kind of hormone shifts going on it's like you're you're, you're piling more onto that kind of you know you're putting more logs on the fire effectively and again if stress kind of affects sleep it kind of affects corresponding like hormones as well so one of my big things that i you know like to talk about with people is looking at your circadian rhythms and your clock so actually this is why it's really important to kind of have that in balance so you've got lots of natural light during the daytime but then you're really careful about things like blue light in the evening mm-hmm. you know using blue light blocking glasses because why that's specifically important in this situation for, there's loads of reasons why it is and we could talk forever about that that's a whole other podcast isn't it as a <laughs> rhythm, is that also it affects the when we produce cortisol or not so if you're like very nighttimey owl type person you can end up sometimes producing a lot of cortisol late at night or if you're looking at emails in the evening or you're, I don't know, you're watching like a stressful piece of news and it's like nine o'clock at night, you know, you're potentially raising your cortisol when it's not supposed to be that high then. And that can yes. create more inflammation and just kind of muck, you know, muck things up. So you kind of got got that going on. And then, um, uh, you know, it's important to look at estrogen detoxing. So basically when we make a hormone, we use it and then we need to get rid of it. So what our liver will do is is break those estrogens down, like shift and change them and then need to kind of get rid of them. Estrogen particularly is like a is like a hot potato. We need estrogen, obviously, and it's amazing and you know, can't live without it, etc. But too much of it or the wrong types of it, because estrogen also has subcategories, can be quite dangerous. And that's why, again, you know, we have estrogen connected cancers and things. And at this time, again, you want to make sure that you're managing your ability to detox estrogen properly, particularly if you've got elevated levels. If you've, if you, if you've got lowered, lower levels, which is why you should test, it's good to know that because actually you could be thinking, maybe my estrogen is higher and it's actually lower. So if you do, if you, if you're thinking, I'm going to like do lots of detoxing to get rid of the estrogen, if your estrogen is actually quite low, that's the wrong thing to do. And this is why it's good to work with someone to kind of understand why that is. But if estrogen yes. is higher, you know, you need to work way more on supporting your liver 
And then after it's gone through the liver, so the liver like basically just kind of packages it up. And put, it's, if you imagine if I was going to hand you a hot potato, the better way to give it to you would be to wrap it up in something so that I don't, you don't scald your hands. So that's what it yeah. does. It kind of makes it like safer and better. And then it obviously pops it in the gut. And then effectively you're going to poop that out basically. So again, this is also where, you know, and this is a really interesting area of medicine and nutritional medicine and naturopathy and everything is looking at the relationship that the gut has with estrogen. Um, and the, and that, and that big relationship. So again, I would also say if you have anything going on with your gut and you've got dysbiosis or you've got, you know, issues with constipation or diarrhea or, or, you know, IBS type stuff or anything like that or food intolerances, you need to work on your gut, you know, not just for the things like the immune system or then feeling better, et cetera, but actually that it supports your ability to detoxify hormones properly, let, not letting them kind of build up. Does that kind of make sense? Yes, absolutely. And for those listeners who aren't aware, dysbiosis is just when there's an imbalance in the gut yeah. bacteria. Yes. Yeah. So again, it's a good time to sort of like, particularly if you've kind of like had that niggle for a little while, mm-hmm. it's to kind of like, you know, have that sort of looked at properly. And again, this is this is kind of a good time to sort of get some tests done as well. No, absolutely. So anything that's going to sort of compromise the liver. So things like drinking lots of alcohol or coffee, having lots of junk foods or too much sugar, all those things are not going to be good for the gut. They're not going to be good for the liver because they're going to overload it. So I think it's... Yeah. Yeah. And women can, you know, looking at things like alcohol, women will quite often say, oh, I, I really can't drink like I used to. So quite a common one is they'll say, I literally had one glass of wine and felt, you know, like flawed the next, next day. And, and as much as that sound like a massive killjoy, um, (laughs) you are much more affected by all these things that are, that are, you know, not great. So you do sadly like have to be a lot more careful or more, you know, sparing and think, okay, it does have to be sort of a treat and I can't sort of overdo it because Unfortunately, you're not 25 anymore. So, so yeah, damn. <laughs> I, I hope anyone listening doesn't think that I'm going to turn around and say, yes, you can really reverse perimenopause. It's like, sadly, it's going in that direction. But what you can do is make it a, a, a less, um, a less bumpy journey. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love that. Yeah. It's either way. And actually, like, that's also why. And I have, I have quite a lot of like, you know, lo- almost like, coaching lifestyle chats with women because this is a big part of it because it's like things like stress lack of sleep worrying about stuff um external influences like poor diet you know can can can, are going to be much worse it's almost like saying what can i do to also try and do anything to make life a little bit easier and some women find this difficult to get their head around because they don't want to let go of the years like before that. So I literally had this conversation with a lady recently where we were talking about exercise and she was like doing spinning for like five days a week. And I said to her, spinning is very stressful. She was like, I absolutely love it. And it helps me get through the day. And I said, I think it's getting you through because you're liking the adrenaline. Yeah. And then we talked more about it and she was like, yeah, I think I kind of addicted to that a little bit. And I, said, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I said, what's what's not great about that is that you're going to be pushing the adrenal glands and kind of stressing the body out more and it won't do you any favors on the kind of perimenopause kind of journey. And she was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. So we, we, we cut the spinning down. It's not completely gone, but I said <laughs> I would alternate it. So you've got other days where you just go for a very long walk or you go for a swim or something that is, that is physical, you know, but it's not, it's not like stressy. So you do have to kind of, 
you know, m- you know, modify things in that way for sure. No, absolutely. And that's a really good point because we did an episode a few weeks ago with a, a fitness mm. expert. And one of her points was, is that you don't have to do this really hardcore exercise. Yeah. Less is actually more because, you know, people doing these really high intensity workouts and going for like 10K runs. And that's not for everybody. Like even just going for a light walk or a swim yeah. or doing some yoga, that yeah. can actually be more beneficial for, oh for your gosh. body than doing all this crazy totally. stuff. <laughs> totally. I'll give you a good, a good example on that. So I will have clients that will say, I went on holiday for two weeks and I went to Italy and I had lovely pizza every day and we had beautiful wine and it was wonderful. And I've come home and I've actually lost weight and they're yeah. really perplexed. And I was like, do you know what? You just really relaxed. Yes. So you're not yeah. making lots of cortisol. Um, you're, and also I said, you're probably eating much more slowly. So you're getting a lot more nutrition and goodness out of the meals that you're having rather than just like bolting and rushing it. And usually when you talk to them, they had much better set times of eating because yeah. obviously there's, there's not the, you know, you just tend, you know, you eat when you want to in probably at the right time because you're not, haven't got work to do or kids to put to bed earlier or whatever, you know? So, so, so yeah, so that's kind of, yeah key really absolutely really key Mm. point so how can a woman support her body through perimenopause to alleviate and prevent symptoms and promote health and so what can she do naturopathically through diet lifestyle and nutrition i know you've touched on some of the points but can you give us some more absolutely well one thing actually i'll start with because we're talking about exercise is that weight bearing weight loading exercise is actually really important because that that's a way of us also protecting testosterone not so much of an issue maybe in the earlier stages but particularly later on and again what you're doing is getting getting yourself ready for full menopause so and i i'm this is an important point because some women are a little always a bit nervous sometimes about doing weights because they literally think they're going to turn into you know like uh you know arnold schwarzenegger like overnight which by the way is not going to happen it's it's very difficult (laughs) to get really bulky as a woman because you're because we're like catabolic so we're always like working against basically being like soft and soft and you know yeah (laughs) it's it's hard work to to look like a kind of fully muscled woman um so it's really worth and that's when i tend to say if you again if you're nervous about it go and work with a personal trainer because they will be able to kind of get you from the point of using smaller weights up to kind of using like heavier weights. So that's kind of my thing to say on exercise. And then if you're, you know, just to kind of run through some sort of like what I call the foundational items. So you've got that first one, which is that you're looking at that brain communication and thinking, where could I support myself on that? So it could be that, you know, you need nutritional help. It could be that maybe you need to change your lifestyle or work or whatever so that your brain can actually talk to your ovaries properly and, and other, other, other parts of the body that are all involved with kind of hormone balance. So that's kind of an important point. So it can be like little things, even like turning around to your family and saying, do you know what? I'm going through pre-menopause. I just have to go to bed an hour early every night. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to sit up with you and watch another Netflix episode or something. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's like those little bits of kind of self care, you know, for example looking at uh, stress, which we obviously have just spoken about. And, and again, any changes that you can make kind of around that, you know, looking at how you can kind of support the immune system, looking at, looking at stress to just, just come back to that as a, as a massive lover of, of herbal medicine. This is where I real think, really, really think that adaptogenic herbs are a massive game changer. 
So we're looking at things like ashwagandha and rhodiola and Siberian ginseng and schisandra, like all of those ones. Ashwagandha particularly is great because it is very good at, at soothing anxiety. It's very good for supporting hormones in men and women. It's good actually for supporting testosterone in women. But by the way, you're not going to turn into a guy if you take that, if it makes sense. And it's very good for yes. so soothing the nerves and it's really good for sleep as well. So like though, and you know, and then you've got things like magnesium and B vitamins and vitamin C that kind of go with that in order to basically anything that you can take that's natural like that, that is going to just really, it's like having a big hug. That's how I describe it. It's like, you know, imagine, imagine a kind of, uh, you know, the guardian of perimenopause is nutrients and botanicals that have a soothing and calming effect on the nervous system and the adrenal glands really important and that enables that communication from the brain downwards to kind of you know work properly if that makes sense mm -hmm. we talked about detox although if you've got lowered levels of your hormones work with somebody because if you just think oh i'm going to do loads of detoxing you could be actually potentially maybe low over overly lowering estrogen so again, this is important to kind of, but, uh, you know, making sure that the, the liver is happy, making sure that, that the gut is happy. So when we're thinking about the liver, like one of my favorite herbs is milk thistle. Milk thistle also, by the way, is great for increasing glutathione, which is the absolute star of antioxidants that the body produces. And since this is also a time where we get much more inflamed, your requirement for antioxidants is even more so. So when we're thinking about diet as well, we're thinking about lots of colourful fruit and vegetables. We're thinking really about also paying attention to the fact that you want to be careful that you're not having things that are hydrogenated or inflammatory type foods or your very processed foods. So you really want to try and get as natural as possible. Perhaps you need to look at, you know, sources of iron, for example, if your periods are very kind of heavy, because remember that iron is going to be doing way more than you think it's just going to be doing. So, so those are kind of my favorite things to do. And then again, I come back to kind of the thyroid. The thyroid can get very inflamed. So what can happen is that you can end up with what I call like subclinical Hashimoto. So just kind of explain that for, for listeners in lay terms. So it's not so much that the thyroid's a problem. It's that the um, immune system, it can be attacking the thyroid and you can get elevated thyroid antibodies. And I had this question actually yesterday from some, from another nutritionist, like what's what does that look like? And I was like, well, you can end up those antibodies being an issue initially, even before it affects the thyroid, which is why it's good to get them tested so that you can kind of work on the immune system in that way. And in terms of the immune system, some of my favorite things are to use the botanical mushrooms. So things like reishi, shiitake, uh, you know, cordyceps, which mm, by the way, lovely. I love those because also what's good about those is that they have an adaptogenic effect. And they're very nurturing in all lo in lots of other ways as well. So they're like, they're a bit of an all rounder. And then just making sure that things like your, so zinc is very commonly low. Zinc is very low commonly in women of all life stages. So I see a lot of low zinc in teenagers, just as much as I would see it in a woman who's 30, just as much as I would see it in a woman who's, you know, 48 or 49. So that's one thing where I always tend to say, you know, supplement because even, you know, UK diets can be low, even if you're, like intake from, from food is good, it, what's kind of in the food tends to be less than it was, say, 100 years ago. So iodine and selenium are really important because both of those are classified as being, you know, low in not just UK diets, but kind of worldwide diets as well. And again, if your iodine is low, this is where you can end up with thyroid issues kind of going on. In terms of kind of a specific hormone balance, favorite herbs for me are things like Don Kwai. So 
when you Google Don Kwai, there's a kind of, there's misinformation. So people think it's estrogenic. So they get also a bit worried about using it. It's not. It's an estrogen um, balancer or metabolizer. It's also really, really kind of uterine nurturing. It helps to create lots of blood flow to the uterus. So that's also why, by the way, Don Kwai is used in fertility as much as we would use it in perimenopause and full menopause as well. And I like to put that with um, Agnes Castus, which is chased berry, um, because that's that's really great for, again, like, so what you can do in perimenopause is you can get your cycle to be a lot more regular than it was by using nutrients and herbs and changing life. So actually what you're doing is you're trying to, like, you know, the end is in sight. We cannot change that. If I could change that, then I would be doing a different job, you know, I'd be a magician. <laughs> yes. but it's a bit like, well, two things. How can we make the, the journey less bumpy? But also, could we slightly lengthen the journey? Could we add a few more? If you think if you're a train, you, you know, the train is going to get to the end of its destination. But if we could, could, could we kind of make the train tracks longer and extend the journey? And so actually by maybe sort of working on the cycle and, and, and balancing it, you can kind of take away lots of the symptoms that I've just spoken about as classic perimenopause symptoms, but also to you know to maybe kind of get your menopause actual menopause age to go on a bit longer because really what we're saying is that we do want to keep menstruating for as long as we possibly can because yes. once you're in full menopause okay well that's a whole that's another podcast but you know <laughs> do you want to make just one i just wanted to mention also a symptom that i didn't mention earlier on that is actually really important is actually headaches and migraines so that's yeah, a really, point. really, really common symptom. And if you are experiencing that, but then also you're experiencing food intolerances or issues going on with the gut, it's really important to look at histamine because there's a relationship between histamine production and estrogen. Um, and again, this is something. So if you're, you know, if you can cut, start to see a bit of a relationship between those two things, especially if you have a lot of food issues before your period and you're getting uh, headaches and migraines as well. So again, you know, that's a whole subject in itself, but that's just for any listeners to kind of think, oh, okay, I might, I might have a look at that, you know. Asian metabolism, one of my favorite things for that, other than, you know, all the things that you would normally do for detox, et cetera, is looking at things like components from the brassica or, or cruciferous, as we call them. So eating yeah. those types of foods, but also I like to supplement uh, women with something called indole-3-carbonyl, which is an extract, a natural extract from cruciferous and for anyone who's listening, who's who's kind of wondering about some, something called DIM, so DIM dolimethane. DIM dolimethane is very popular in the States and America, but actually we don't like using it here because it actually can be really unsafe to use if you have specific genetic uh, estrogen pathways that are not working as they ought to. You could actually make the situation worse by using DIM. So as a UK practitioner, I, I never use it. And I've actually seen some pretty bad situations where it's made someone's hormone picture a lot more worse and it was already not great to begin with whereas indole 3 carbonyl is 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 completely natural uh from from and doesn't work like uh in the same way as dim and that just really just helps to soften and balance and help to uh you know detox estrogens but in a kind of a safe kind of careful way and then um i love turmeric for inflammation and again, women can feel more kind of achy and again also just two more things on that which is that Omega-3, I could talk all the time about because most people mm -hmm. just never get enough oily fish through their week, particularly in the UK, I find, because fish is less of a thing here in the other countries. So if you're not getting your two or three portions of oily fish per week, you really need to supplement. If you are vegan or vegetarian, 
sorry to say this, but you're not going to be getting any through your diet. It's minuscule what you're going to get from, from plant sources. So again, it's looking at either supplementing with a fish oil, or if that's not your preference, looking at taking a, a, a vegan version. But again, it has to be the right product because a lot of them are very low in DHA and not high enough in EPA. So it's the EPA that we really want for helping with things like inflammation, etc. And a lot of symptoms, by the way, are symptoms of omega-3 deficiency. So this is also a time where you may find the benefit of supplementing extra, even if perhaps you are already eating, because your need for omega-3 is certainly going to go up. And certainly if you've got you know mood issues, you're very achy, hormones are getting a bit low as well, then omega-3 is going to be very important. And then vitamin D is super critical because we tend to think of it for the immune system or sleep-waking cycles or for mood or, or for bones. So it's talked a lot about in full menopause because of osteoporosis, osteopenia issues. But vitamin, vitamin D isn't actually vitamin, it's a hormone and plays a massive role in female health at all life stages. So like if someone said to me, like, what's your yes. desert island, like sort of components to kind of keep yourself sorted as a woman? I go, vitamin D and omega-3. Although I think if you're mm-hmm. on a desert island, you've probably got that covered because you've got the sun, haven't you? You can go, fi- you can yes, go fishing. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. So, and probably you're not stressed out because you're on a desert island. <laughs> Relaxing. So, so yeah, but I mean, it, it, it always still kind of, it's always sad for me when I talk to women who are going through this and you, I ask those questions like, are you having oily fish? Are you taking omega-3? Are you taking vitamin D? And they're like, no, 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 no. And you're like, okay basics it's got to start here you know no absolutely some great tips and advice there so thank you so much there's lots and lots for people to be getting on with and yeah just going back to the cruciferous vegetables those are things Mm -hmm. like broccoli cauliflower cabbage brussels sprouts so yeah increasing those in your diet is very key and for those who aren't aware adaptogenic herbs are herbs that help the body adapt to stress so some really great ones that Lorna mentioned there yeah and actually just just the last point it can make real sense to work with a herbalist because they can make you a special formula which kind of covers all the sorts of things i've talked about maybe rather than you taking lots of products together and at wild nutrition we have some great formulas that cover all sorts of of the symptoms and help with those that i've just that, that i've just spoken about but it can be helpful for example to take things like some sleep herbs in the evening that sort of thing just to help you sleep better so like herbs like valerian or skullcap or passionflower absolutely and i think that's a key point it's best to work with a practitioner so whether that's a naturopath a herbalist or a nutritional therapist because a lot of these nutrients things like iodine and selenium or the herbs Mm. you don't want to just be taking those willy-nilly because again they've got sort of strict parameters especially things like iodine and even iron as well you know the body does store these things and you know you don't want to be taking whopping amounts of anything so it's best to yes get levels checked you know, work with a practitioner yeah. and they can prescribe things according to, to what you, your body needs because it's different for everybody as we've talked about at length today, haven't we? Yeah, exactly. And actually, like the body, I, I really feel like at this stage as well, gets a bit more sensitive. So you need to, so you also, it's really good to get professional advice rather than, than what you've just said, Michelle, which is like overloading it, you yeah. know? So, so absolutely. Yes. No, perfect. And for those listeners who might be vegan, you can, there are algae sources of omega-3. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, so just have a, do some research and it's, you know, as Lorna mentioned, it's looking at sort of the EPA and the DHA levels and making sure that they've got 
sufficient amount in them. And for any listeners who are interested in sort of the exercise component and um, bone health, we did a really good episode a few weeks ago with Karis Marsden, all about exercise and the weight-bearing exercises that you mentioned, Lorna, and how women, what they can do, um, because it's not that sometimes you have to go and like lift all these massive weights, there's other ways to do it. And she talks at length about that and how important it is for bone health and for the later stages in a woman's life so check that episode out for anyone who would like some more information on the exercise front sounds great so what is next for you Lorna do you have any projects in the pipeline that you'd like to share well at Wild Nutrition we have just started offering mini consultations so they are 20 and 40 minutes and I am in charge of kind of managing that so I have a nutritional team actually we're very blessed to have fantastic nutritionists who are ex-students of CNM. Excellent. Uh, Yeah, which I love because it's important to me actually that nutrition is important, but the naturopathic aspect and the herbal medicine aspect is is also so important when you're thinking about looking at health in general, but also, you know, women's bodies and and, and perimenopause. And so we, you can talk to an expert about your symptoms and we can talk to you about diet and lifestyle and talk to you about what nutrients and herbs would be, would be helpful. So that's kind of my big project at the moment, other than, other than, you know, uh, existing as a nutritionist and and loving (laughs) that and and keep, you know, kind of uh, enjoying that as a whole subject kind of anyway. Yeah. fantastic lots to keep you busy yeah thank you oh thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and experience today it's been absolutely wonderful and very thorough and lots for lots of information for women to go out there and research themselves and start taking control of their hormones and taking control of their health because you don't have to sit there uh, you know worrying and thinking oh my gosh I've just got to roll through this roller coaster there's actually things that you can actively do to make the journey a little less totally said so yeah um, yeah and my final final comment on that is also is talk to your friends talk about it don't like you know like you know talk to your partner um don't be afraid about going actually do you know what I think I need to maybe have some kind of therapy and talk about this because it's not going to necessarily just kind of you know go over a year this is this might take some time and I think I think it was also good for that of, of also going I'm not going crazy yeah, I've got. I'm, I'm in perimenopause. It's okay. It's going to be all right, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just having, just so th- this is, you know, this is great to be kind of like, you know, if you think, my gosh, like my mum was telling me about, she remembers her. So my granny speaking about maybe she thought her mum was going through menopause, but nobody spoke about it. Yeah. So women would talk about things like having all these like weird symptoms going on. But then you just didn't talk about it. So then also people would have a different perception of you like, oh, so-and-so is really forgetful or they're always saying they're tired or da 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 And then there's kind of like a judgment. So I think yes. the more that we talk about it, the better. And, you know, if you feel comfortable to talk to your boss about it, like say, look, this is what's happening with me. Can I, can I change my work hours? Can I cut, like, can I start earlier and, and, and finish earlier or whatever? Like that just kind of makes things, you know, easier. So basically be, be really nice to yourself and be kind. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really important point, Lorna, because I think so many people do suffer in silence. And I think a problem yeah. shared is a problem halved. And it's, we're so totally. lucky nowadays because, as you say, back in our, our grandparents' generation, you know, back in our grandparents' time, you know, they didn't talk about these things. Women just had to get on and deal with it. Whereas now we are more in tune with our bodies and more people are more accommodating aren't they yeah and actually if you're not getting the help that you want from your doctor get a different doctor 
because yeah. it's it, it's not acceptable these days to just get it sort of like just just you know oh oh well yeah and also if they say oh we don't want to do any tests because I think you're in perimenopause and da 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 it's like don't accept that either because as I've just covered it can look really different and it's shifting and changing and different approaches will be needed for different results. So, you know, and there are lots of, uh, you know, there are lots of these days also now fantastic uh, private doctors who specifically, by the way, work with uh, premenopause and menopause. And I'm really lucky to have this amazing network of female doctors that I kind of refer to and stuff. So don't be made to feel like you're bothering them and that they, they're like, oh, well, ugh, you know, just to go, OK, thanks. And just change doctors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Lorna. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening and a big thank you to Lorna for sharing her wealth of knowledge with us. You can find all the information discussed today and more about Lorna in the show notes on the CNN website at www.cnnpodcast.com. If you're interested in learning more about nutrition, herbal medicine or naturopathy, check out CNM's range of short courses and diplomas. We have a series of open events coming up and you can find all the details on the CNM website at www.naturopathy-uk.com. Join us again next week when I talk to Justin Smith, the producer-director of the very enlightening documentary Statin Nation. Justin is going to be talking to us about why statins are the most over-prescribed medication in the Western world and how they can cause more harm in the body than good. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe through your favourite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content.